Amen. Thank you, JB. I love that song. What a beautiful song. Take your Bibles, if you would, turn to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. Appreciate all your prayers this past week. Many of you reached out, many of you prayed. And um, praise the Lord that Mackenzie is doing well. She's doing better. Um, We've had a lot of testing done. Um, Spent um, um, Saturday night in the hospital and got out Tuesday night. And uh, they did all kinds of tests. They did not find anything. Uh, They can't explain why she had the seizures that she had. Um, But we praise the Lord that um, she seems to be doing better. Um, It's good that she's here today. I praise the Lord for that. And I really appreciate all your prayers and uh, we just pray that she won't have any more seizures. We do trust the Lord. We're, we're very thankful. Um, one day, uh, Mackenzie's going to be walking down streets of gold, and none of this is going to matter. Uh, but while we're here on earth, God has a special purpose for her. And uh, he has used her to mold our lives, um, to increase our faith, um, uh, blessed us in many ways. And uh, this week was definitely a difficult week. Not a matter of not trusting the Lord, I will tell you that. Just a matter of the reality of how fragile life is. And when you're holding your daughter in your hands and you're not sure whether she's going to make it the next few moments, it's very difficult to go through. But God was there through the whole thing. And I praise the Lord for the comfort that he did bring. Um, and, and yet at the same time, it's still a challenge to go through. And so I really appreciate your prayers. Um, and uh, I appreciate your continued prayer. If there's something we can do to try to help her not to go through that again, we're, we're asking the Lord to reveal that. Thus far, they haven't found anything, and so I guess no news in this instance is good news. Uh, you, you don't like it that way, but all it does is cause us to just trust the Lord. We just have to continue to pray and trust in Him, and God had a plan for that, and so we praise the Lord for that. Today is our Vision Sunday, and um, our, our vision for this year and our theme for this year is yet not I, but Christ in me. The whole idea of Christ being in us and Christ working through us. And so today, I want to focus on our key verse, our theme verse for this year is in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. We'll read it in just a moment. But I want you to think with me for just a moment. Anybody in here that's an electrician, raise your hand if you're an electrician. Anybody in here that's an electrician? Okay, all right, we've got a couple of hands raised. Uh, You know, someone once said that there's two kinds of people who work with electricity. 
electricians and fools. And, um, you know, I'm not sure where I fall in line with that at all because I, I do mess a lot with electricity. And uh, I've, I've got my hands, um, I was going to say wet, but that doesn't sound very good when you're talking about dealing with electricity. But I have been, been shocked by electricity. I remember years ago working over here, and I didn't realize that then the old auditorium had a, a three-way switch. And I didn't realize how that thing was hooked up. And so I thought I'd turn uh, that breaker off, and I went to grab in there and found out the hard way that it was not turned off. And so I, I was being pretty foolish then. And then also trusting somebody that's not an electrician to say they turned off the breaker when they really didn't. Yeah, that's bad too. That happened to me as well up in the sound room. Brother Walt Bowman, many of you that have been here for some time remember Walt. Walt, man, he was my friend. I'll tell you, he was a good man. I love him. And he's in heaven today. I praise the Lord for that. He just about sent me to heaven, though, that day. I think he, he didn't want me to get there before him, but he just about did. And um, uh, I grabbed onto that clipping. I still have the, the, the cutters. That, it did an arc weld on the cutters, left a permanent mark. The cutters have never cut the same since, I will tell you. But, you know, I've delved into electricity a little bit. I, I knew a little bit then in, in uh, remodeling the, my old house I lived into in the basement running electrical. And then the new house, when we built it, I said, I'm going to run all electrical myself. Now, you guys can fill in the blank whether I'm an electrician or a fool. That would be up to you. But I, I went ahead and did all the, electrician, all the electrical work myself, and I did a lot of studying. I mean, I did, you know what I mean by studying? I watched a lot of YouTube videos and, on what to do. And so, therefore, I was a smart guy. I knew what I was doing. And, and so I ran all the electrical, and, and, of course, I did have to have it inspected. And I passed, praise the Lord. And when he, the inspector came in, he'd look at what I'd done. He'd say, good job on that. Man, next time I come, I'm doing this. And so make sure you do this. He gave me pointers. He helped me out. But I was able to get it all installed. And I learned a lot of things in doing that. I learned that in our houses here in America, we run on 110 power. And in, in our box that comes in from the, uh, the power company, if you have two-phase, which all of us do in our houses, I'm, I'm sure, you have two different lines. Each one is 110. You put them together and it equals how much? Very good. It's making sure you're awake this morning. 220. And so you have two different branches that come in. If you combine the branches together, you get 220. Well, in the house, you've got these little outlets that you put in, all those different places. And I like 12-2 wire, and I like 20 amp. Uh, I like this breaker, you know, and you put all those. Anyway, a regular outlet, you can plug things in. It's 120 volts that you're plugging into that. And then you have the bigger items in the house that take more power, that you have to combine the 110 together to get 220, and it's a different kind of plug, and that maybe your range in the, the kitchen, if you have an electric range, or your, your dryer, uh, might be, uh, um, if you've got an a, a, uh, air conditioner, different types of pumps, they take more power. And so you use it for that. The point is, is this, is that there's two different kinds of power that's inside your house, and they're differentiated by the type of plug that you plug them into. And how many of y'all think that's a good idea that they have different types of plugs for the 220 and 110? I got my hand raised. Now, if you don't have your hand raised, you might not understand what I'm talking about here. But you know what? When you go to other countries, you've got to be really careful. And, you know, I've been to other countries, and most countries outside of this country use 220 as the main outlet. Seems kind of crazy to me, but the main outlet, they feel like regular plugs like what we have, they're shaped differently, though. There's 220 coming through that. And, you know, I heard about this guy that was uh, going in the other country. And you, when, you, when you plug those things in, they have little adapters you can buy. Now, you've got to be careful what adapter you use. If you use the wrong adapter, all it's doing is adapting your 110 plug, standard like what we have, to be able to plug in a two-pin prong inside their 220. And you're plugging in a, something into that that's meant for 110. It doesn't turn out very well. This man, I, I read about a story. He said that he plugged in a hairdryer into that outlet and that hairdryer was like a turbo it, it, it went like crazy and then all of a sudden it blew out 
tons of smoke out and then stopped. And that was the end of it. You know, you got to be careful what you plug into it. You know, and, and we have it set that way on purpose so we know. And, uh, you know, on the other hand, if you could plug a 220 stove into a 110 outlet, what would happen? It wouldn't blow the stove up. But what I will tell you what will happen is you're going to have a hard time cooking anything. There's going to be a quarter power coming out. You're not going to get very much energy inside of that. And, and so because it, it's never going to cook. Now, why am I even saying all of this? Because there's a spiritual parable in there for us. And I want to kind of share it with you today. A person who tries to live the Christian life by his or her own strength is either like the burned out hairdryer or the underpowered stove. They surge ahead at a fanatic pace for a short burst and then they burn out. I've known people like that. I've seen people just like that. Or they suffer from a lack of power and never achieve what God intended for them to achieve. They're underpowered. They never do what God wants them or God has planned for them. You see, God, He has wired us as His children, as Christians, to be 220. Now, what am I talking about? Of course, I'm talking about Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20. That's how God has wired us. I want you to open your Bible there, if you would. And we want to look at is, are you wired for 220? Are you actually wired that way? Let's all stand up. Look at there, Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20. Here we see God's life-changing 220 principle that I want to focus in on today. Notice what Paul says here. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you and praise you for all you've given to us. Thank you for the power that you give us. Lord, I pray that you would truly empower uh, me right now as your preacher. Lord, I pray that you'd give me the right words. Lord, I pray you'd challenge our hearts. Lord, I pray that through the principles we see here today, Lord, that we would be victorious in our Christian walk, in our ministry, our service, our life, and victory in our life. Lord, I pray that we would realize we're on the winning side and, Lord, we'd claim that victory today. And, Lord, that we'd learn how to have the victory every day. Meet with us. Speak to us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Christopher Columbus. You go ahead and have a seat. Thank you. Christopher Columbus. Let me ask you, did he invent America or did he discover America? He discovered it. He didn't invent it at all. As a matter of fact, he ran into it by accident on his way to the, to the Indies. It was a mistake, but he discovered something amazing, and I'm glad he discovered it. I really am, but you know, there was a difference between something where you um, uh, discover it or something when you invent it. You know, in my experience, the Christian life is full of wonderful discoveries as well. There's all kinds of wonderful discoveries, and I can say the very first discovery was when I came to know that Jesus Christ died for my sin, that I was a sinner. Yeah, it was good to discover that because I needed to. That I discovered that there was a hell. I needed to know that as well. But I'm so thankful that I discovered that Jesus died for me. He paid my sin debt on Calvary's cross. And I discovered that if I would turn from my way, turn from sin's direction, turn from sin in my life, the sin of unbelief, and trust in Christ as my Savior, that I could be born again, made alive spiritually. To know that I was on my way to heaven was a wonderful thing to be able to know that. To know that God loved me so much that he, he allowed him, uh, his son, or sent his son to die on the cross for my sins. And then I discovered, I discovered that, 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 that was an amazing thing that now I'm a child of God. Now I'm on my way to heaven. My sins are forgiven. I could never lose my salvation. 
But you know what most Christians have yet to discover? Is that the Christian life is not me trying to imitate Jesus. It's not about me trying to imitate Christ. But about Christ Him living in me and wants to live His life through me. There's so many Christians today that are bound down and they're, they're, they're carrying a weight. Even though they've been born again, they're a child of God, they're on their way to heaven, they're still carrying a weight, they're trying to somehow perform and trying to be good enough to appease a holy, righteous God. Their life is filled with all kinds of uh, checkboxes that they have to try to keep. Things they have to try to do. One of the most brilliant Christian minds in the 20th century understood this truth and C.S. Lewis, he wrote this. He said, when Christians say Christ is in them, they do not mean simply something mental or moral. This is not simply a way of saying that they are thinking about Christ or copying Him. They mean that Christ is actually operating through them. And that's what it ought to mean. That Christ is operating through us. And so over the next few moments, I want to discuss this amazing verse and share with you how we can apply it to our life. And look at it if you would once again. Notice what we see there. Paul, he says, I am crucified with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. And so we see, number one, we see the executed life. The executed life. I am crucified with Christ. Paul wrote that in Christ, we died. In Christ, we die. We, we didn't die physically. We died to self and to sin. Unfortunately, you know, many today, many, as far as Christendom is concerned, they've sanitized the cross. They have made the cross into some type of religious symbol. In reality, the cross, it's not just a religious symbol. In reality, what it is, it is it's something that is a mode of execution. A horrific way of dying. The way that Jesus Christ died, by the way, for you and I. That old rugged cross. It's a mode of execution. The cross of Christ, by the way, was a double cross as well. First, Jesus was crucified for our sins, and then we were crucified with Him. And Paul, he used, when you look at that word there, I am crucified with Christ, the, the Greek tense of that is past tense. It's past tense, something that took place already. Matter of fact, at the very moment you trusted in Christ as your personal Savior, that's when it took place for you personally. When it took place as far as looking at the time scale of things, it happened over 2,000 years ago. When Jesus Christ hung on that cross, He died for our sin. And Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. By the way, this is not self-crucifixion. It's not a picture of us climbing under the cross every morning. And crucifying ourselves. It's something that's already happened. It's something that we need to just come to the place where we accept it. We realize that Christ, He died for us and we have been crucified with Him. It's a done deal. It's already happened. In Colossians chapter 3, Paul, he said this, Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. There's the theme again. Ye are dead. You're crucified with Christ. That old sinful nature, that old person that you are, or you were, is dead. And by the way, a dead man isn't interested in the things of this world. I mean, if you took a corpse and we were to put that corpse up here, lay it out, maybe set it in a chair, and if you were to say to that corpse and try to tempt that corpse to do something, 
Uh, or let's say, I'll give you a million dollars if you do whatever it is. Just fill in the blank. Something that's wrong. That corpse would not at all be tempted by that temptation. I mean, if you were to march in front of it, all the different types of sin that there are, I mean, talking about sexual sins, talking about the types of sin of, of drinking alcohol, if you were to run before them stealing and, and taking, th- I mean, whatever it is, whatever you want to run in front of this corpse, that corpse would not be tempted to do any of it. Why? It's dead. It's dead. A dead man isn't interested in the things of this world. There's no allurement because he's dead. And you know, for us, we still have physical life, but when it comes to sin's power over us, we are dead. We have to come to a place where we realize that. We still live in this world, but we can't let the world live inside of us. It it makes me think about like a boat in water, kind of an illustration to understand that. The boat is in the water, but if the water gets into the boat, that boat may sink. With us, we're dead. We don't let the world in. We die to that. We die to the old flesh. That's the old sinful nature. We're no longer living that life that we once lived, which is actually death. We now are dead, but alive spiritually. Paul wrote in Romans 6.11, he said this, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Reckon yourself. Every morning you ought to say, I reckon I'm dead. Reckon yourself dead to sin. Not every day getting up and feeding the old flesh, feeding that old sinful nature, but being dead to sin. Listen, we've been crucified with Christ, but every day we must renew our death certificate. We must remember that we were crucified with Christ. You know, Paul, he faced many dangers, but he didn't mind. Because you see, you can't hurt a dead man. You look at the things that that Paul did, it's only because he realized that he had been crucified with Christ. He was, as far as you want to talk about it, the the old man was dead. He wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, 31, he says, I die daily. You know, you can't scare a dead man. Dead man doesn't get scared at all. They're dead. I read a story about a great missionary. His name was James uh, Calvert. He first approached the Fiji Islands. This was many years ago. They were populated at that time by cannibals. The captain of the ship, he begged Calvert. He says, don't go ashore. Don't go, man. If you go, you and all those that go with you are going to die at the hands of those savages. James Calvert, he said this. He says, we died before we left. We died before we left. They landed there in the Fiji Islands, and as a result of it, many came to know Christ as their Savior. Many, they they were saved because this man had died to himself. You see, the secret to living the Christian life is dying to ourself. Dying to ourself. Secondly, notice we see here the exchanged life. He says, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The exchanged life. Christ lives within me. There was a little five-year-old, her name was Katie, and she went to the pediatrician because she had the flu. The doctor began to examine her. The doctor, he was trying to make her feel better, like pediatricians will do, and trying to be really nice and use different ways and and, and games, whatnot, to make her feel better. And he said, as he he looked and, and, and began to feel and look and examine her in her ears, he says, will I find Big Bird in your ear? She says, no, you won't, doctor. Well, before examining her throat, the doctor says, will I find the cookie monster in there? Katie was getting a little bit impatient this time. She says, no, you're not going to find the cookie monster in there. 
Well, the doctor placed the stethoscope on Katie's chest and he asked, will I find Barney in there? <laughs> Katie looked at the doctor and said with, with great innocence, no, Jesus is in my heart. Barney's on my underwear. <laughs> you know, Katie was right about Jesus being in her heart. When you trust in Jesus Christ, your Savior, listen, Jesus comes to take residence up in your heart. It's what we call the exchanged life. The exchanged life. And in Galatians 2.20, Paul, he used the personal pronouns there. You see it in, in that whole verse, the, the personal pronoun I and me, eight different times. Eight different times we see it. See, he had a problem with I. With I. Had nothing to do with his eyes or his vision. It, listen, we all struggle with the same I problem. The big I, our ego always wants to be in control. The big I, our pride, always wants to be in control. And, 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 and by the way, what's the middle letter of, of sin? It's I. What's the middle letter of pride? It's I. What's the middle letter of guilt? It's I. You see, the central problem of sin, pride, and guilt is the big I. The big I problem. The big I is constantly trying to climb back into, onto the throne of our heart, trying to displace Jesus off the throne of our heart. And so several times a day, we must renounce self. We must surrender our will to Jesus Christ. And our glorious profession of faith should be Christ liveth in me. Christ liveth in me. Not that old sinful nature. I'm not going to let him have life. Christ liveth in me. You know, Christ with you is a good thing. Christ for you is fine. Christ beside you is comforting. But Christ in me, man, that changes everything. When Christ is within us, when Christ is empowering us, when Christ is leading us, when Christ is giving us the power to be able to be victorious in our life. Paul wrote that this is the mystery of God, Christ in us. I want you to take your Bible and I want you to look over to Colossians chapter 1. Look at it if you would. This is another one of the verses that go with our theme this year, Colossians chapter 1. And look at verse number 27. Colossians 1.27, we see there it says, To whom, talking about believers there, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is, say the next three words, Christ in you, the hope of the glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you changes everything. When we realize that concept and we come and understand that Christ in us changes everything. I want to kind of illustrate a little bit this morning uh, with some hot water. And this is not quite hot, but let's just pretend it is. Here's some pretend hot water and here's a tea bag. So you have this uh, water. How many of y'all like to just drink hot water? No. Especially if it's church water. No, you don't want that. You get your iron supply in a couple sips. But you know, this is only a cup of hot water. But when I drop this tea bag in it, this tea bag is a mint tea. I like mint tea. It, it changes after a while. You, you put that in there, it changes the color of the water. And so for the water to exist now is for the tea to exist. They become one. They become the drink. I'm just using it as an illustration, an example. Now, if the water could talk, it might say this. It's no longer I, but tea lives in me. I know that's so simplified, but you know, I need simple sometimes. 
A lot of Christians today, they miss the simplicity of what we're talking about today, and they're living a, a life of absolute defeat because of it. They're running in this great rat race. They're running in a circle. They're trying to get the victory in their life. And it's, it's because they're missing this basic discovery, this basic principle of Christ in us. And so you, you see this, this tea here. And so um, tea adds value to this hot water. That tea bag makes it to where it's something that is good. I enjoy it. I, I enjoy drinking it. Delicious drink. The tea adds value. Even so in the Christian life, Christ in you changes your nature. It will change your nature. He changes your life from being bland and being boring to being exciting and thrilling. It changes the way we, our life. We're going to come back to this in just a moment and think about it. But you know, when Christ is in us, it changes everything. When we realize that, when we grab onto that concept, when we, not just head knowledge, by the way. I'm talking about application of everyday living. I'm talking about in service. I'm talking about in being what God wants us to be. And every walk of life, Christ in us will change us. But here's the thing. Sometimes we try to keep I alive. Remember that I problem we talked about? We try to keep I alive. I'm going to do the very best that I can do for Jesus today. Now, have you ever thought that? Now, don't raise your hand. Have you ever said that? I'm going to do the very best that I can do for Jesus today. There's the I problem. There's something wrong with that statement. You see, the big I needs to die. We need to die to ourselves. We need to die. That old sinful person needs to die. Let me ask you the question this way. Maybe this will help you grab it. Who can live the Christian life better? You or Jesus? Who? Yeah. I certainly can't. I cannot live the Christian life. Period. I cannot. It's only when Christ is in me that I can live the Christian life. And then who's living the Christian life? Christ through me. It's not about me that's doing it, though. It's when Christ is doing it, in, it with me. So then why are we still trying to let I do it? Why do we continually struggle and say, I need to do this, I need to do that? No, what you need to do is dying it out of the way. Let, let Christ rule your life. Gene Edwards, he wrote this. He says, on the day you quit trying to live the Christian life, then you will finally Give him the freeway to live out in you what is so easy and so simple and so organic for him to do. That's to live. And when you do, you're set free from a long list of do's and don'ts. The do's you can't do and the don'ts you always do. Hmm. He went on to say, he says, why do you look so shocked? Think about it. You never were any good at living the Christian life anyway, so why do you think you can do it now? And yes, there are things that Christ tells us to do. Do you realize that God does give us a list of things we are to do and not to do? But there's so many Christians today, they've got their list out over here, and they're trying to use I. I am going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And every day they fail. We have to die to ourselves and get that out of the way. And listen, it's not going to be a grievous thing. It's not going to be a hard thing when we're dead to do what Christ tells us to do because he just does it through us. Shopping. You ever bought something but needed to exchange it? I have, lots of times. It happens a lot now. I mean, you order stuff from, online, you get it. It's not what you thought. You've got to return it. 
Well, you know, back in the day, you'd have to go back to the store and return things. Some of you still do. You're good at that, you know, returning stuff. Can you imagine, though, standing in line and you're there at the store and you've got this plastic phone that you bought. It's a toy phone. You get up to the front and you tell the, the clerk, you say, I'd like to exchange this. They say, well, would you like to exchange it for cash or would you like to get a replacement? I want a replacement. You say, okay, great. I'd like the newest iPhone, please. They look at you like you're crazy. What do you mean the newest iPhone? That's $1,000. You can't exchange this old plastic phone, this little thing here that's a toy for a $1,000 phone. I mean, unless you want to pay the $1,000, then I'll sell you the phone. But you understand that. But let's just look at it. I mean, let's say that we're going to return something in, in an even exchange. Would you take advantage of the exchange? I would. If I could exchange it for an even exchange, if I didn't need it or wanted it, or I wanted to get, it, get, get something different, I would take the even exchange. Well, that's what the exchange life with Christ is all about. And it's not about an even exchange, by the way. It's about an exchange that's beyond our comprehension. It's way better than you could ever imagine. I want to mention you some things that we, we get to exchange when we have the exchange life with Christ. Number one, I exchange my weakness for His strength. My ignorance for His wisdom. My prejudice for His love. My anger for His gentleness. My inability for His ability. The exchange is such a wonderful thing, and yet we want to stick here and we want to say, I, I, I. No, listen, we need to have exchange where we die to ourselves. We let Christ live within us. And so this great principle, it begins with an execution. I am crucified with Christ, which leads to an exchange. And then thirdly, it leads to the energized life. Look at the next part of that verse. He says, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I live by the faith of the Son of God. The energized life. You see, there's a massive difference between a person trying to live a good life and a person who has surrendered to the goodness of Jesus in their life. Big difference. Trying to live a good life. Listen, there are a lot of people trying to live a good life, trying to earn their way to heaven. Are they ever going to earn their way to heaven by trying to live a good life? Say yes or no. No. Can you live the Christian life by trying to live a good life in your own power and strength? No, you can't. We need the energized life, and it must come by a faith, living by the faith of the Son of God. You see, the truth is that I don't possess enough power, energy to live a good life. I don't have it. There's only one person who ever lived a perfect life, and that was Jesus Christ Himself. And if we see here later on in Galatians chapter 5, where we see where the Apostle Paul begins to speak about the fruit of the Spirit. There are nine characteristic qualities that are listed about the Christian life there. And it's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. We're not capable of doing any of those things the way we should with I. We cannot do that in our own strength. You see, we don't have to create a checklist and every day try to live up to those characteristic qualities. Those are simply nine words that describe the personality of Jesus Christ in us. And as I allow Jesus to live in me, He energizes those qualities in my life. It's about dying to ourselves. It's about allowing Him in us. By the way, that's through the Holy Spirit of God to be seen in our life. Paul, he identified his source of energy when he wrote this in Colossians chapter 1. In verse number 28, he said this, Warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, 
striving according to his working. That word there, working, he's talking about the power, the energy. He's talking about not his own power, not his own energy. He's talking about uh, the, the, the Lord in him, Christ in him. And, and then it goes on, it says, which worketh in me mightily. The power that he had was mighty power, and it wasn't because of his own strength. The Apostle Paul is saying here that he was warning every man, talking about teaching and preaching, teaching them uh, in all wisdom and, and helping them to grow, helping them, first of all, to come to know Christ as their Savior and then to grow and be, become a stronger Christian, more mature Christian before God. And he says, I do all of this. I labor. And the work that he's doing, the striving, it's a, a fighting term. He's fighting this according to the working, not his own power, but the power of Christ in him. He could not do these things in his own strength, in his own power. Neither could you or I. Remember back years ago, there was a, a, a kind of a movement that was going around. People had bracelets on. It was WWJD. What would Jesus do? You all remember that. What would Jesus do? Now, there's nothing wrong with asking that question as long as you realize the limitation of your answer. See, here's part of the problem with that. One of the problems is, is that it assumes that you have the ability to figure out for yourself what Jesus would do in any given situation. And then you imitate what Jesus did in that situation. You talk about what would Jesus do, and then we try to imitate what Christ you think would do in that situation. There's a problem with that. You can't do it. We cannot imitate Jesus Christ. There's not a person here, there's not a person that's ever walked the face of the earth that can imitate Jesus Christ. I'm talking about physically, I'm talking about the old spiritual, the old sinful nature, not the spiritual, the old sinful nature. Here, here's what would be better for us to ask. A, a better WWJD would be, what will Jesus do when I surrender to his life in me? If I'll surrender to him, what will Jesus do in me? That way, I don't have to figure it out for myself. I just let Jesus live in and through me. So many Christians today, they're trying to imitate something and they can't. They're not winning the victory because they've not died themselves and letting Christ have complete control in their life. Filling them. Enabling them. I want to use another illustration. I want to think about it from this perspective now. Here's a glove I brought in today. Look at this glove. I set my tea here and hopefully don't spill it anywhere. It's going to be dangerous. Let's put this over here. Uh-oh. I can get my tie out of my tea. It'll be all right. But I want you to think about it just for a moment with a glove. Imagine that this glove is my life or your life. Just a glove. Empty. Powerless. Now, I could take this glove. I could put it out here, and I could preach to this glove, and I could say, glove, go pick up that tea. Pick that cup up. The Bible says, thou shalt pick up the cup, so do it. Come on, glove, try a little harder. This glove's not going to do it. All the poor glove could say is, I'm sorry, Lord, I tried my best to pick up the cup, but I couldn't do it. Empty. No power. You see, that's all you expect of me, right? For me to try my best for you. Try my best. Well, the glove tried its best. It couldn't do it. So that's all that's required, right? Huh. But you know the Lord says there's a better way. I came to live inside of you. And what you can never do, I can do through you. I can do it with my power through you. 
I mean, you think about it in the picture of the Holy Spirit of God and Jesus coming within us and him coming within us and giving the power to that glove. And I know this seems so simplistic, but once again, we are trying. It's like we're this, this glove trying to do what God tells us to do. And unless we have Christ in us and allowing him to have control of us, we're never going to do what he tells us to do. We're not capable of doing it. It's not something we can try to imitate to be like Christ. We have to allow Christ to be within us. Oftentimes we say, Lord, I'm trying to love that mean person so hard. Lord, I can't love them. What does Jesus say? Let me love that person. Let me love them through you. I know how to love them. I love them so much. We say, Lord, I'm trying to forgive that person, but Lord, you just don't understand how much they've hurt me. And Jesus, he says, listen, I'll forgive them. I know how to forgive them. Let me forgive them through you. Just let me do it through you. I can forgive that person. See, our problem is we try to do it in our own strength, in our own power. We come down here to the next part of this verse, which is my favorite part of this verse, in verse number 20 once again. In the last part that says what Jesus did for us and why he did it, when he says there, he says, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Christ loves us. Christ gave himself for us. Most profound theological statement you're going to find in the Bible is that God loves you. God loves us. God loves you. It says, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Christ gave himself for us. He died for us. You know, and once we begin to understand that Jesus lives in us, when I got saved, I accepted Christ into my heart. I have Christ within me. When we come to the place when we understand that He lives within us and wants to uh, love people through us and forgive people through us and encourage people through us, it'll make a huge difference in our life. It'll make a huge difference in your relationships. It'll make a huge difference in your ministries. You see, instead of trying to imitate the life of Jesus, which, like I said earlier, is impossible, we must simply abide in Him and let Him abide in us. Die to ourself. Be crucified with Christ. And remember, that happened. It's already a done deal. That old flesh is crucified with Christ. Live in His grace today. Allow Him to live within you. How are you living your life right now? Are you struggling to be the Christian God wants you to be? Have you failed? Have you had the victory? Where are you at right now? God has wired us to be 220. God has wired us to have Christ within us that empowers us, gives us the, the strength that we need. And I invite you today, just look in your heart. How are you doing what you're doing today? How are you living the way you're living? Are you living the victorious Christian life? Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed as we pray. our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, let me ask you, have you been born again? Do you know that you're on your way to heaven? Was there a time and a place in your life when you trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? You're here this morning, you say, preacher, I know that I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. 
I have no doubt I've been born again. If that's your testimony, would you raise your hand up high? Say, yes, I know I'm saved. God bless you. Put your hands down. Perhaps you're here this morning, you don't have that peace. You don't know if you died this moment where you'd go. Could I pray for you this morning? You say, preacher, I don't have that peace. I don't know if I died this moment that I'd go to heaven. Listen, I won't call you out. I won't embarrass you, but I will pray for you today. You're here this morning. You say, preacher, I don't know if I died this moment that I'd go to heaven. Would you slip your hand up right now and say, I don't, I don't know. I don't have that peace. Christian, are you living the victorious Christian life? You struggle with that eye problem? Today, I just invite you, would you just come to this altar and say, Lord, I am crucified with you. I live now with your power, with your strength. Lord, I surrender myself to you. Lord, I give you the throne of my heart. Lord, I want to be empowered. Lord, I want to do what you want me to do, but Lord, I can't do it myself. I know I can't. Perhaps you've tried. Would you just come this morning and empty yourself and say, Lord, fill me, use me. Lord, empower me. Christ, you're all that I need. I've been trying to do it my way, my strength. Lord, you're all that I need. Would you sing that with me? Christ is all.